What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blondes Building Equity. Today, we have a, a guest I'm really excited about. I've been following them on TikTok. I found them on TikTok now for a little while. So this is Wealth by Real Estate. They are a couple who are flipping homes. And so I'm so excited to have them today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and what you kind of do. I'm Brianna Griffin, and this is Michael. And I've been in real estate for six years. He's been in real estate for 15 to 20 at this time. And we really are in all aspects aspects of real estate. So we flip houses, we have Airbnbs, we do long-term rentals, we do commercial rentals. So we really try and just be in every aspect of real estate. And how did you guys kind of get started? Did you get started together or separately? Well, I've been doing real estate for 20 years, like Bree just mentioned. So I was primarily a commercial broker and had some flips back before 2000. In 2005, I started flipping. The crash hit 2008. So I stopped flipping. I lost my, my ass at that time. But uh, I met Bree six years ago and uh, she said she was really interested in investing. She had just got a real estate license. I had a bunch of connections in the fix and flip uh, arena and the investment arena. So we kind of teamed up at that time and started uh, doing investments together. Oh, so you had already done some flips before. So you already had the connections to like contractors and subs and it had been such a long time, but he's just a serial entrepreneur. So that's something that really I kind of was attracted to at the beginning because when I got into real estate, I'm very finance driven and investing driven. So that's really why I got into real estate. When you get into real estate, you kind of find that a lot of other real estate agents don't invest, which kind of blows my mind. So, uh, you know, he, owned Madison Commercial, the commercial side of the brokerage that I'm at. And so I just started asking him questions and he had some background in it, but it had been so long since he did the flips. So he basically said at that time, if you want to partner up on a couple flips, I would be open to that. And you have to do all of the work and I will provide the financing on the first couple flips. But you know, it's really up to you to kind of find the contractors, the wholesalers, the properties, manage the contracting team, sell the property. So that's kind of how we got started. So you guys got started, were you dating at the time? <laughs> no, not, not yet. I'm like, wow. My secret, ploy. My secret ploy was to get her to uh, start fixing and flipping so I can actually start dating her. <laughs> wow, that's true love though. If you started dating after you did fix and flips together, yeah. Yeah. that's a lot of work. Well, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, you guys know, as I'm sure as like uh, two people individually coming together to do work together, it doesn't always work, right? Like you may have conflict of interest, different ideals, and eventually, you know, it can pan out or it cannot. And for us, thankfully, we found out that we work really well together and live really well together. So it worked out really well. Yeah. 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 I mean, I look up to that a lot because I know, I mean, even Jess and I talk about it now. I mean, we're all in kind of like you guys, except we're not dating. Thank the Lord. We would probably quit each other. But but we, we live together. We build our business together and we're best friends. And so we're like, sometimes we're like, we wish maybe we didn't live together or something like that. Because some days when you get off work, I mean, you guys know how hard sometimes fix and flipping is. It seems HGTV so fun, but the amount of phone calls you get per day, building your sub list, all of those things is just always so much work that does. And then you're obviously continuing to scale. So you get more and more property. So yeah, so that's awesome. You guys have been able to make all three of those things work, you know, living together, working together, being in a relationship. That's that's awesome. Yeah, people ask us all the time about like, how is it working with each other and being around each other all the time? But I think similar to you, guys if you guys are best friends you want to be around each other all the time right yeah of course you need your breaks and you need your time alone or whatever but still it's enjoyable to be around somebody that you like to be around and you have to have this 
similar mindset because investing, especially in real estate, you are taking a lot of risk. And there's some people that just don't necessarily have high tolerance for risk. You know, we bounce ideas off of each other all the time. That's what makes us better is that we both have a great mindset for investing and for risk taking, but we can also, you know, have that double check to make sure that we're making a good decision because even after 250 fix and flips, there's still times where I question myself and then I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And then he validates that so so if you could go back um because you just said you guys have done 250 fix and flips that's incredible which is insane <laughs> so if you guys could go back to like the first couple that you guys did together what would you sort of give advice to your younger self that's a great question yeah great question actually our first fix and flip we lost like fifty thousand dollars so <laughs> i'm glad that we got into a relationship because <laughs> at least i got something out of it right so <laughs> Because you were the finance side. You're like, all right, big help. I'll take it. Yeah, I lost 50 grand, but I got a wife. So it worked out. But yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in the beginning, especially when you're first starting out fixing and flipping or any investments. We lost because I was out of touch and it was her first one. So we, we made a lot of mistakes. And I'll let Bree talk on that a little bit. But, you know, you have to be careful going in on your first investment. You have to really do your due diligence. At the same time, you really have to get around people that understand what they're doing, get around experienced individuals, whether it's your contractor, a mentor, something, take some courses that allow you to have a step up and understand that, you know, minimize the risk of the amount of mistakes that you're going to make because it's going to happen. We definitely, you know, made a lot of mistakes, but looking back at all of the fix and flips that we've done to this point, we've lost on four total. And that includes that first one. So we're glad that we we're kind of the people that just like to jump in and learn on, you know, and the best way to learn is by doing. Although we lost $50,000, that was really and more so a $50,000 investment because from that one fix and flip, we learned so much of what to do and mainly what not to do going forward that we started to put policies and procedures in place to create a much stronger foundation so we're not just jumping in blind. You, you make mistakes in this business regardless, even after however much experience you have. So just having a really strong foundation and never deviating from that because it's easy when you have an opportunity in front of you to be like, yeah, I want to get it. I want to get it. But you have to slow yourself down and say, am I taking the right steps? Am I having contracts with my contractors? and all of the things that you really need to do to be successful. Right, I was gonna ask, was it like a contractor thing or was it more the price that you paid was too high in the beginning? No, actually, you know, luckily our numbers were right. Like we fell um, out of contract five times and that was just because of contractor defective work, you know? And so we didn't know what we didn't know. And so when a property is flipped, a lot of times, you know, you walk in and it can look beautiful, but what the mechanicals are what really matters. Going back, now every single fix and flip that we do, we have our third party inspector go in after we're done and inspect the entire property again as a, a buyer would. And then that way we eliminate a lot of issues that come up on inspection. Because even if you get permits, they're only looking at what's permitted. They're only looking at the flaming or the HVAC or, you know, but there's still a lot of other things that can come up on the inspection that you may not even see. So uh, that's one thing that we implemented is one, just making sure that our contractors are very qualified up front and having strong contracts with them, but also doing a third-party inspection before the buyer does theirs so that we can fix all those little things and they go under contract and don't get this big list of inspection items and get scared that, oh, maybe this wasn't a good quality fix and flip. So have you guys, with all 250 properties, did you ever project manage them or have a project manager or have you always gone with using a GC? Well, in the beginning when I was doing it, I was, uh, I was the GC and I was doing all the sub work and finding the subs and project managing it. I felt that 
that was a really good experience for me because it helped me understand the inner workings of a house, especially as a newer real estate broker. I understood how much carpet costs to, to replace, how much it costs to redo countertops or cabinets. And so when I was going out with individual like buyers and sellers and they had questions about, hey, I don't know if I, sh you know, I see these cabinets are kind of messed up. Well, you can paint them, you can replace them. Here's the cost, right? It just made me a much better real estate broker and a much better GC. That way when we hire a contractor and they're telling me, oh, this is how much it's going to cost to bid out a, a kitchen remodel. Well, I know exactly the cost of a kitchen remodel. You can't play me. I know the cost, right? So it made me a better realtor and made, made me better at fix and flipper. But now because you guys have scaled to such a level, you're like, nope, only contractors. And so how do you kind of find, I mean, how many fix and flips do you usually do at once? How do you find that many contractors? At any given time, we're probably doing between 20 to 30 fix and flips. And so, you know, on an annual basis, we usually end up somewhere around 60 to 100 in the past couple years. So we're very reliant on our GCs to do the work. But certain trades that I always keep control of is my structural guy, um, because, you know, he can go out to a property for me in one day. Same thing with sewer and my roofer. So those are my three kind of go-tos that I manage. And then we have the GCs manage everything else, plumbing, electric, all of that kind of stuff. A lot of times I find the three highest ticket items is sewer repairs, structural repairs, and roof. So I try and have those checked out while we're under contract before we close on it. Um, so having good relationships with those three trades has helped me and, and saved me a lot because there's been times where even just a month ago, we were under contract on a property and I had estimated 10,000 in structural because I didn't think it was that bad. But my structural guy went and said it was, you know, a $70,000 job. And I was like, oh, well, that changes the numbers a little bit. So luckily we were, you know, within our termination deadlines, but those three trades and then our GCs kind of take over everything else because it's just too much to manage. Yeah, it's too much to manage. We currently are. <laughs> we had like, you know, we bought the contractor route and now we're like, no, you know, we're going to do it, which we are learning a lot, which I love yeah. that. But the amount that you take on when you project manage a place and we're like, okay, this isn't scalable. And obviously we want to scale to that level. So we're like, we shouldn't be on these calls 500 times a yeah. day, you know, hiring like different bathroom tile subs, a guy that can hot mop and you're lining them up in the, the correct order. So it's like, just so much goes into it then you like start to really but I mean I don't know how it is there you guys live in Denver right I don't know how it is in Denver but here in California we just I mean the rate for contractors is yeah. just insane and so they don't quite like we have great friends that are contractors but they don't really want the investor you know the investor yeah. that they can't overcharge you know because we're like I know exactly yeah. how much a sub costs to go do the kitchen so I you can't tell me it's gonna cost 3x amount you know so they they're not their ideal client we use hard money you know so we have tight deadlines so how is that kind of like building that relationship do you guys have inflated contractor rates right now no you know i think that ultimately a couple things and i'm not you know i don't have crystal ball by any means but I, you know with the slowdown nationally in the housing market you know i've been talking to a lot of buddies that do fix and flips a lot of people are slowing down uh they're, they're taking a pause fix and flippers aren't buying as much right now i suspect as these contractors are, are going through the projects they have currently in the next few months they're going to become slow and i think that slowdown will cause those rates to come down for us as 
as fix and flippers, which I think will be a great thing. They've been super picky and not working with a lot of people and inflating their rates. I think because of the change in the market, you'll see that change as well. I mean, we have really one GC who's our go-to, who does a majority of our projects. And then we have two other GCs that can manage several projects at a time, but they're still not at a level where they can manage a lot at a time. Really, we've been trying to find other GCs in the past two years adamantly, but just have not been able to find people who can either give us the pricing that we want or who are qualified enough. So that's been a huge challenge. However, even just in the past month alone, because seeing a lot of fix and flippers slowing down, we now just added two more GCs because these GCs are reaching out constantly. You know, before I could barely get a hold of them, but now I have one guy texting me every single morning trying to get into this property. And I'm like, we don't have possession yet. So hold up, you know? He's like, well, let me know when you do. Let me know. And then the next day, it's the same thing. I'm like, we still don't have possession. I will let you know when we do. But I mean, there's so you're starting to see contractors be a little bit more eager for business because I think some of the homeowner work is also dying down. It was really heavy during COVID, the height of COVID, because everybody was home. Now people are going back to work and then flippers are slowing down a bit. So hopefully that will help on the GC side. Oh, I was just going to say, how many projects does the one, the main GC that you guys have that you like, how many does he manage at once? And also how much are those, like, what is the price range? All over the place. I mean, he really does anything from our $200,000 condos all the way up to million dollar properties. We try and keep him away from the the high end stuff because he's more so, I would say, a mid-grade contractor. So, you know, we try and give him a lot of our lower end properties and just higher volume. And then the other GCs are more like higher end, but can only do like maybe one at a time or two at a time. So you have to consider that too. A lot of GCs have different abilities. You know, some people specialize in mid-grade or lower end, and then some people specialize in luxury. And they're two different subsectors for sure. And I found that our, our biggest success with contractors are the smaller crews, the five-man crew, the six-man crew, the three-man crew, where they can just come in and they're just focusing on your one job for three or four weeks and getting it done quickly. I think the larger contractors are too much, too expensive. They have too much overhead. I like the smaller guys. They're just more nimble and have better pricing. They have less overhead and they generally can get it done quicker because they have a limited number of jobs. Right. And so when you guys are analyzing a deal, I mean, what would be kind of your threshold on like what you're willing to make? You know, we've talked to investors who are like, hey, if I make 20K on this deal, I'm super excited. And then we do high-end homes. So we've been like oh, navigating, maybe we should go down to a little bit low end just to really up our volume. But, you know, we shoot for 100, 200K profit on per deal. So what kind of is your, your threshold that you kind of take on? For our lower end deals, I mean, we we flip condos and townhouses too. And for those, we're willing to make 20 to 30 on those because, you know, you flip them. We usually flip those in about a month. So, and then we have them sold. So our holding cost is really low. So we're willing to make much less on those. But for houses, you, we like to make at least a 50% cash on cash return and 10% return on investment. So those you usually see, I would say a minimum of 50 to 100. And then for higher end stuff, you definitely want to see the 100 to 200 spread at least because your holding costs are so high that if you have to hold for 
another six months that can eat in, you know, a $30,000 or $50,000 to your profit pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, no, I know. And that's what I mean. Holding costs for us now is just like once you start to scale and you having to have, you know, and the construction costs are so much higher. So when you do a construction pull and you're waiting for your lender to pay you back, it's like you're, you know, you're sitting on, you have to have just so much reserves at all times. So, and then also for materials, I found because I do the interior design, I buy all the materials. It's like so much more detail goes into these higher end homes. I'm like, I know if we had to do the lower end stuff, I would just have a like rinse and repeat, just same materials go, this is what we're doing. So I'm like, maybe we got to go back to the lower end because there's just so much detail that a higher end buyer wants. So which one do you guys kind of prefer as far as like the workload? Uh, Yeah, lower end for sure for us. I mean, there's the the buyer pools massive for lower end stuff. Uh, For condos and townhomes, we get in and out like reset 30 days or less. And really there's no roof, no sewer, no exterior, anything. It's literally just a lipstick interior flip, which makes it super convenient. And for us, we have a brand book. So we we make a brand book for our contractors and said, here's the tile we get. Here's where to get it. Here's the paint we use. Here's the SKU numbers. It's the same process. So they can buy in bulk as well and get a super discount. And then they hold that and they use the same stuff every single time for all of our lower end stuff. Oh, wow. It's, I mean, we've done both and we just find that it's a lot easier to sell the lower end properties too. You have a lesser risk of it sitting on the market and a lesser risk for change orders. And as long as you come up with a nice design that's neutral and that you can add to, then especially with the staging, then you can scale pretty easily. And then we say we still do some high ends, but it's you know, a handful of them and only select properties that were like, that is a killer property. And I know that property is going to sell. It's like a really cool mid-century modern and it's super unique. And, you know, we'll have fun doing this, but that's not really our specialty market. Then our Airbnbs, I would say we definitely go a little bit higher end for sure. So do you keep most of them as long-term rentals or you flip most of the houses or is it kind of like evenly spread? Yeah, I think, you know, historically, you know, we've kept a few that got we, we got really good deals on. So we kept those as long-term rentals. But right now, the short-term rental game is, we're all in on that. You know, I know in California, it's a little bit harder. But here in Colorado, man, we're, we're diving in head first. We're getting as many short-term rentals as possible. I could tell you, I, w- I was a commercial broker for 20 years, did fix and flipping. I probably owned 10 different businesses during that time. There's nothing in my entire career I've found that is more lucrative, cash on cash-wise, than short-term rentals. It is by far the best investment I've found. And that's why we're all in right now and but you're all in where you guys live no uh we have some here and we have some in dallas we're looking in gulf shores alabama the um, charleston. charleston yep so but for you guys as flippers uh you know i think it makes it much easier for you to do really well in airbnbs because you'll search on airbnb and a majority of the properties are very average they have the homeowner's furniture there you know the pictures are taken with your iphone so if it's something that you can essentially do like a luxury flip with and make it look phenomenal and have unique characteristics and that's already something that you're used to on a day-to-day basis, then you can really stand out with your Airbnbs. And so for really good fix and flippers, it's kind of a natural progression to be in Airbnbs. And then you just have like a project manager in each of the states because is it hard to manage them from not living there? It is, yeah. I mean, you know, we like to do a lot in and around the Denver area for cities that allow Airbnbs, but 
you know, like we have a couple in, in Dallas, we have one coming up in Mexico, and then we have one in Gulf Shores that we bought for an Airbnb, but we actually decided just to hold as a long-term because we couldn't get our team in place, you know, in time. We found that contractors there move so slow. They just don't like to work. It's kind of a vacation yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> So yeah. that's why we ultimately decided just to do a long-term rental. But having your team lined up there would be crucial to, you know, buying a property and executing on that rehab for sure. And how do you find a team? Do you fly people out that you already have hired or you just specifically find people in that place? We, we've done that before. That becomes a nightmare because they're under a tight time frame and then they cut corners and try to get it done quickly. Yeah, I'd rather have somebody that's there locally. So we've done it both ways, but really, we like to invest in cities where we have connections already. I have a really good friend of mine in Dallas. So he's a realtor down there. He already knows contractors. He has all these people that we already need. So it was really easy for us to make that decision because he he was the boots on the ground for us. And, you know, he wasn't necessarily a partner, but someone that had all the connections we needed to make sure it was done well. And so who furnishes, I furnished my, my flip in Puerto Rico and like that alone was just so much work. And so when you guys are doing, that's what I see when, when I see Airbnb and I'm like, you also have to furnish that unit which so what's kind of do you guys rinse and repeat the same furniture or who does all of that work I do <laughs> yeah um, but that's something that I enjoy doing we actually own a staging company too our stagers can do that if they want to but they actually do turnkey Airbnbs in and around Denver for people but I like to do that because since I picked all of the finishes in the property and the designs I like to keep it very consistent with the furniture as well and I already have in my mind what I'm looking for that's just something that I personally like to do, but it is a lot of coordinating. And luckily being here in Denver, we ship everything to our house and just store everything in our garage. And then when the Airbnb is ready, we have our moving team that work for our staging company. They come and move everything over to the property. But out of state, that's tougher because you either have to have a storage unit or you have to have it delivered to the property. But if you don't live there and they're working on the property, you don't want all of that stuff just sitting in the garage, you know, where contractors are in and out every day so it's best to kind of get a storage unit and then move all of that stuff over to the property so logistics become a nightmare when you're doing it out of state Wow. I mean, it's incredible how much you guys have been able to scale. So when you guys were first kind of getting that scalability, it obviously started with the two of you. So what do you think the next step and like, what does your team kind of look like now? That's a really good question. You said you guys are just starting out, right? As far as a team and, and flipping yourselves. Yeah. I, I give kudos to the people that do it by themselves. It's really hard to be on your own and, and managing all these different things yourself from the design to the contractors. I mean, I think with a team, especially two people that work well together, like yourselves or like us, you know, the sky the limit. I mean, you can really scale much, much faster with two people. And for us, I wasn't doing fix and flips. I was investing in some other stuff. We got together five, six years ago, and we've done so much in that short period of time. And I attribute that to us. But also during that time, we started scaling. We're like, we need more help. So we got an operations manager. And then we got, we opened up the staging company because we're spending so much on staging. And so we have designers now in house and movers in house. I have my lead assistant too, who helps. She kind of helps with the construction management as well. And then she does all the blue taping at the end. And then we have a full-time handyman as well that now he just works for us and he kind of goes to all of these properties, make sure the contractors are doing what they're supposed to. If he can jump in and do some stuff here and there, he does all the landscaping. So just maintaining the landscaping on your fix and flips, you'll find is a lot because when you have 5, 10, 15, 20 properties at one time, you have to be going around and maintaining the lawn during these fix and flips so that they don't die by the time you go to sell it. You know, now I would say our key players, at least 
least on the fix and flip side, is our operations manager. And she manages the finances. She manages the hard money, lending, <laughs> and kind of the transaction base of it too. So she's also our transaction coordinator. And then, you know, Abigail, who's my lead assistant, she does helps with some design and then she does the blue taping. And then we have the full-time handyman that kind of just goes around every single day to all of our properties and just make sure things are in line. What is your acquisitions kind of like? Do you guys have an acquisitions person that's just making a ton of offers or do you do that, Michael? I don't, I don't really do much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. that's what we want. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to just hang out. She's a workhorse. She does the majority of the work. I kind of just help out wherever I can. But I do some sourcing. I do some sourcing. We do some wholesaling. But we do have a team of in-house guys that we hired. They're on salary-based. They run the MLS and they look for properties and are writing offers every single day. So you guys find all of your properties on the MLS? No, we find a lot off market too. A lot come from other agents too, from pocket listings. And so making good relationships with other agents that just know we're in the business and our whole brokerage knows that we are, we mainly do fix and flips and like crappy properties. So they hit us up every time they have a listing that really they don't want to bring to the market. And then we just target that. And we also do mailers and off market targeting, you know, some stuff here and there too. But I would say 50% comes from the MLS and then the rest is either pocket listings or off market stuff just from our own efforts. Wow. And so where do you guys see yourself scaling from here? I know you already have a design company and you're doing a lot of like long-term or short-term rentals, you said. But where do you see, like, do you have an overall vision for your guys' brand? You know, our brand just started. So, you know, we weren't really on social media five months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've seen how much you've grown. We're like, wow, that wealth by real estate. But you create amazing content. So, yeah. I mean, I've learned so much from you guys and I found you through TikTok. So, you know, just keep yeah. at it. That yeah. takes a lot of work. I know. Yeah, yeah. You got a ton of followers over there. Yeah, we're just now realizing how much work actually it is to be on social media. That's a whole nother job. Yeah, I don't know how you... Do you guys have a team of people or... So I used to, you know, full time. I had my my, my team and and now it's like that we're diving into real estate. That's ideally we're like, okay, because we have all... We're running all of our properties and then we're also struggling to like, you know, build our brand together. We have a new page together, upkeep my current brand. Yeah. And run all these properties. So that's definitely, I mean, people don't realize what goes into it and the ed- education content. And like, it is a full time job to create. And that's what I did for years, you know? So now the ultimate goal for us is to be able to just really build out the real estate team, but also the content team. Because to have a team like that before, it was like they just filmed me every day. And then yeah. it made it a lot easier because it wasn't so for like what we're doing every single day. We're like, if we just had someone following us around, it'd be so easy. So the way that you can simplify content is just doing what you normally do and then, and then having an editor who, who has to create like you know now we have our podcast and so luckily from the podcast we have the editor go and cut six or seven tiktoks from this alone you know and then when we're ever on a on a project and we film something we go have them cut more just from that one piece of content so it's like minimizing your workload to be able to use one piece of content in a lot of different ways so you really need for a content team a full-time filmer and a full-time editor right on the team a hundred percent because there's just no way you can run a business and run a content business because it's just, that's two huge companies. But yeah, we had Ryan Pineda on the podcast and he was telling us that he only films once a month. 
Like yeah. for his TikToks, he films once a month and he does like a four or five hours of like- No, I think she, he said it was a long, long day. Like oh, was hours. it? Okay, eight hours. So basically from that eight hours, he takes that and he makes like two or three YouTubes, like 20 different shorts, a bunch of different TikToks, a bunch of different Instagram reels. So it's like one day out of the month that he takes and then just cuts all, he has his editors do that. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I'm just out golfing. Well, they're, you know, they're posting online for me. <laughs> That's the way that you have to do it. A lot goes into that. I mean, he yeah. pays 40 grand a month for his content team yeah. because you need those crazy editors, but you also need, you know, you guys see, especially when you're doing education content. And for me, when I was doing, when I was a professional stunt woman, the amount of work that goes into the prep, yeah. Like you can't just get on there. You have to know what you're going to say and you have to like have that content prepped out. Yeah. So you need kind of he has and you need someone that's like and I used to have like, okay, this is what you're filming. Here's 30 ideas. Here's 30 trends. Here's 30 things that you yeah. need to do. So the work that goes into it and out of it, you really have to have a big team to be able to do what Ryan does because there's just no way to sit down and have film 30 TikToks if you don't have those ideas and those concepts. Right prepped or else it's going to be really bad TikToks and they right. still need to be good you know <laughs> and I think the hardest thing when you're doing that is you can't just hire like a Joe Schmo you yeah. actually have to have someone that understands your vision because you can't just have someone being like okay here's 30 TikToks and it has nothing to do with like your brand or it's nothing that you would normally say or nothing that you've actually been through that you can teach like it has to come from you it has to be authentic so I think finding someone that can maybe shadow you guys and understand your vision and also be passionate about real estate mm -hmm. kind of on the side but like, a good yeah creative person basically find a unicorn so. <laughs> yeah no we, we've gotten really fortunate with you know our videographer and editor at this point and he helped us create our courses too because we just created our courses on fix and flipping and short-term rentals and long-term rentals but he's been instrumental really in our social media because we weren't on it before at all because we were so busy with our normal lives that we said we have to hire somebody who can do this for us because otherwise it's just never gonna happen so where can people go if people want to take your guys's course where do they search that so we have a website it's wealthbyre.com and you can go there and find our courses again we have three different courses that we just launched a few weeks back actually wow and congratulations they're, they're very in depth everything we've learned in our experiences whether it's her you know she was a financial analyst before she became a real estate broker so she was underwriting billion dollar energy loans to energy companies and so we kind of paired our knowledge and she's created all these spreadsheets and analysis and really in-depth in information. And we're really giving all that away our last 20 years of experience into our courses, which I think it's pretty valuable for people. It'll really help people jumpstart their efforts. It'll help them streamline their successes. We talk about our failures a lot. We talk about that a lot. So they can actually, you know, try to not make those mistakes as well. Yeah. And for those people listening, I think like Jess and I have talked about before with other people we've had on the podcast, but online education is just so valuable. If you mm -hmm. go to school in college, you know, they teach you to just go be in the rat race of society and get a normal job. And there's no other way to kind of get this knowledge. Obviously, you have to dive in and do it but we've taken courses ourselves and it is life-changing the knowledge that you guys offer in that course because even what we've learned today speaking with you guys you know is so helpful to us so I can only imagine what you have in your program yeah. and so if people are listening are interested in real estate I cannot say enough and also if you make a business any online education is a tax write-off so a lot of people don't know that even yeah. when I got my helicopter pilot's license that was a tax write-off <laughs> any education 
Education is a tax write-off. So go do it. There's nothing better than expanding your knowledge. And if you can skip, you know, a step of failing by learning from someone else, yeah. that's going to save you a lot of money. You know, they on their first deal lost $50,000. And for a lot of people that would scare them and they would completely stop. So even just, you know, knowing that it's okay to make mistakes, but now they can learn from your mistakes yeah. and hopefully not make those same mistakes so that whatever you pay $5,000 for a course could save you $50,000 on a deal by not making a mistake. So yeah, and people always ask us like, how can I start investing into real estate? And Brandon Miller, he always says like, if you have the money to actually buy a house and renovate it, go do that. But if you don't have that money, buy a course, like literally yeah. learn from someone that's already been through it and already done it if you can't do it yourself. So I think that's the first step. Anyone who's listening, <laughs> if you can't go buy a house and learn from your own mistakes, learn from someone else's and go get a course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, you know, you want to be the brains in the operation. And if you if you have that, you have the knowledge of what is a good fix and flip in the entire process or Airbnb or long term rental, then you can always partner with a financial person who, you know, has the funds, but you have to have that knowledge, you have to be bringing something to the table, because you're not bringing anything to the table, it's hard to find a partner that's willing to, you know, do everything for you. Uh, yeah, that's such a good point. Because we talk about JV deals a lot on here too. Like, if you want to do your first fix and flip, like you you really can be like pushing and being like, I'll do all the work just like you did at first, Brianna, with your husband, but you could do all the work and they can provide the financing. But the only way that makes sense is if you know what you're doing and you're yeah. going to do the work right. Because if you have no idea what you're doing and you go ask somebody for 300 grand, they're going to be like, are you kidding me? So at least you can show like, I'm so knowledgeable about this. I went through this program. I know what I'm doing and I'm ready to dive in. Then you can probably get another investor on board to invest yeah. in your project. So it's super, super valuable. Before um, we sort of close out, I want to ask you kind of one last question. So if you guys could give someone advice that's just starting out, what's kind of like the key advice that you would give them? Like as an intro to real estate investing? For me, and I'm just going to go off of my personal experience, you know, because I didn't have enough knowledge when I came into the industry and had to learn it on my own, I would say always surround yourself with people that you want to be like. And so start going to investor meetups in your area and start connecting with wholesalers who put out deals because at the end of the day if you're searching for great deals in real estate there's so much you can do with that you know a lot of our deals we pick up and then we decide later what we want to do with it but as long as it's a great deal and it works for our, our analysis and the numbers work out then we could do it as a fix and flip we could keep that as an Airbnb we could keep that as a long-term rental we could turn around and wholesale it ourselves so you know surround yourself with a bunch of other investors that are already doing what you want to be doing on a high level and then you're going to naturally learn so much that way and you know, if you need to take a course it doesn't necessarily have to be our course but as long as you are educating yourself and continuing to learn then you can take the step and jump in and do real estate investing but just starting off like we did and just pulling the trigger right away before we knew anything that can get you into trouble pretty quickly so that would be my advice you know a lot of people don't take the risk they don't take the leap i've seen people take courses and never do anything with that knowledge right and I think a lot of people just never take the leap they, they, they're risk adverse they don't want to do it but you're never really going to be wealthy in your life if you don't take risks that's the only real way unless it's passed down to you from some grandparents or parents or something right so you got to go make it yourself and the people that stay on your jobs I mean we need everybody on this planet but the people that stay on their jobs that went to college they're on the jobs and are climbing the corporate ladder a lot of times you can only get so far there if you start investing in yourself the sky's the limit like I said earlier like you can go you can take that anywhere you can make as much money as you want to make 
make if you're willing to put in that effort and take those risks. And you're going to lose sometimes. But in the end, if you throw enough darts on the board, something's going to stick and you're going to do well. Just got to take that risk. Wow. Amazing. Well, we really, really appreciate having you guys on. And we've already learned so much from you guys, which is why we've reached out to you about the podcast. She actually introduced me to your guys' TikTok. So <laughs> now we like always look at it. And it's like, it's so quick and informative. Like they're like sometimes 30, 40 seconds and you just learn so much. And you so, guys got to keep at it. I'm telling you the one thing with social media you have to do is just consistency. When I first got on TikTok with my other page, I just for like a year straight posted three times a day and that got me to 3 million, but it was being so consistent, you know, and it was so obviously some days you don't want to post, you know, but yeah. your guys' content is beautiful and it really is helping so many people you don't even see. So just keep at it and you guys are going to be huge. I already know it. So where would you direct people to follow you guys? TikTok, Instagram? Yeah, so we're on TikTok. That's uh, Wealth by RE on uh, TikTok, on Instagram. Wealth by RE. Wealth well. by RE. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Wealth by Real Estate on Facebook. But follow us on those places. We also have a YouTube page, Wealth by Real Estate. A little bit harder to find right now, but we're, we're starting to get on YouTube a little bit more. But uh, we're all over the place. Of course, our course is WealthbyRE.com. You can find us all over the place. And we appreciate you guys having us on. Really means a lot. And we this was fun. Yeah. And if you guys ever need anything from us, we're here as friends in you know the real estate field. So we just want you to know that as well. Yeah, we love making. I mean, this podcast has been, we always say, like, no matter, like, we've just been able to make so many amazing people of the same mindset yeah. and who care about real estate. So I think that's super important. So you guys have a friend in us. If you're ever in LA or you ever need anything from us, we are here. So it was so nice to meet you guys. Thank you guys so much. Your pleasure, you Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, let us know if you need anything at all, have yeah. any questions, and we'll probably be reaching out to you for some questions as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate it.